Alrighty, this is episode eight of Lead Bite, uh, entitled "Then Finish the Story That Shame Starts." This is part two. I decided uh, that on Monday to ep- upload a part one and part two of this chapter because I found myself just going through the chapter two of this book, talking about intentionality and vulnerability, uh, what it means to be the captain of the group and lead the team. And I was going through and I was thinking about it all. I was like, wow, like, this is awesome. And I was, I was thrown off and, and led into a bunny trail where vulnerability ended up talking about this topic of shame. And I wanted to get in that today. And you, you can see the title of today, episode seven last on Monday, it was it was titled schedule a meeting with yourself and then today it finishes that sentence so schedule a meeting with yourself and then finish the story that shame starts today's main idea is if shame was your roommate tell it a true story i i think of a a little kid talking to their parents talking to a babysitter i got babysat uh for a long time when I was young. And I remember people coming to tell us a story. Just tell us a story. Tell us something about something real. Tell us something that's true. Tell us something about yourself. Uh, Tell us something magical. Tell us something that is super, super cool. But when it comes to finishing the story that, that shame starts, There's something about this main idea, if you don't get anything else, get this, that if shame was your roommate, if shame was sitting across from your bed, sitting down, and you guys are, you know, setting up your posters the first day of college, and you're getting to know each other a little bit, and shame doesn't speak very much, but when he does, he's pretty rude. Tell it a true story. Speak back to shame as if, as a person, you are telling a true story. A story maybe about yourself, a story about your your family, a story about where you've come from, a story about who you believe that you can become, a story that maybe shame in your life doesn't necessarily believe yet. I often say that what we say reinforces what we think and is an outflow of what we believe. And so we're going to talk about shame today. And, and mainly this idea is to present a few uh, definitions and ideas and descriptions and pictures about the experience of shame and the reality of shame and that shame isn't just a topic that we talk about when we talk about intense or serious things, that they are actually a very integrated piece about our everyday experience that we don't need to be unfamiliar with. And so I just wanted to provide a few different resources that uh, I've gone through to prepare to just share a few thoughts about shame. We're not going to get into the details. Anybody can do research on this stuff. But I wanted to get into this and our follow-through from last week. Number one is shame is a convincing power that alienates you as deformed and incompatible with the world. If I was to begin anything to say today that if you're going to experience shame, if you're going to recognize shame, if you're going to look at your life and say, do I even experience this? 
Well, let me ask you, one, do you often feel convinced by this power within you that, that, that seems to come to alienate you, making you uh, seem as though you are deformed, as if you are incompatible, as if you are uh, different, as if you uh, were coming from a detached land? from far, far away that, that everybody else around you don't seem to match with who you are, that shame is a convincing power that alienates you as deformed and incompatible. Shame doesn't just tell you that you're bad. It doesn't just say that you are a bad guy, bad girl, bad person. It actually will convince you internally that, that, that it gives you this, this reason to stay away from people, stay away from who you are not just physically, but intrapersonally, so that you can feel like you don't deserve to be fully known or fully free. It's almost like sometimes we can talk about shame as though shame says that we are bad, but guilt says that we did something bad or we did something wrong or we made a mistake and shame says that we are the mistake. It's easy to talk about that in a dialogue in our regular everyday conversations and just say it as something that seems true. But it's easier to be able to tell when those things come up, when we're not doing well, when we actually make the mistake, when we get a trigger, when we are frustrated, when we're drained and tired, when we are over emotional, when we are stunned by the things around us and we, we, we may not even be able to process and so you may not hear yourself tell yourself that you're bad or that you are incompatible or deformed or somehow or another you need to stay away from people or you just don't fit. But the, the person of shame, the embodiment of shame, for some reason or another has these ability to give ourselves reasons to stay away Reasons to stay on vacation away from our true selves, to stay away not just physically, but as I said, interpersonally, between our relationships, as if we are undeserving, we, we, we can't attain, we can't hold on to, we can't get a grip, we can't uh, gain security and hope, and as if that maybe one day we, we, we can't be fully known or fully free from where we are, that we can't get beyond Brene Brown and her book called I Thought It Was Just Me it says that shame is like a web where we ask ourselves three questions. How we should be, how is it that we should be, who should we be, and what should we be? That shame is fueled by fear. And fear and shame are often both things that we both escape towards and want to escape from. It's this double-sided sword where fear and shame are often both things we escape to and want to escape from. It's like when we feel bad, so we make a worse decision and it makes us feel bad again, which makes us feel even worse. Can I ask you, do, do you have an escape plan just in case? Like, like if there was a time where you just find yourself in this 
pattern where you are compulsively can't seem to get a grip onto something good or something true or something right, that you're in this pattern of mistakes and, and, and it seems like there's no escape plan, like you're playing snakes and ladders and you just keep rolling the dice and then sliding down from your mistakes. In her book, it's, it, she talks about, and, and I, I was inspired about this idea this word powerlessness. And so I phrase it this way that from her book that our powerlessness in shame, where we don't hold the power, we don't hold the strength, we, do, we don't always hold the opportunity, we don't always hold the position, that our powerlessness and shame is often our diving board from disconnection into isolation. Not to and towards, but starting to dive in from our powerlessness of shame. It's like it leads us to be disconnected from ourselves, from others, to be honest, to be truly who we are, to be genuine, and to be wholeheartedly and, and allowed to even share our existence with each other. We're disconnected and it leads us like a diving board into isolation pushing people away, pushing people back, hurting people, hurting ourselves sometimes because we just don't know how to express the things that are difficult. Can I remind you that some things aren't bad? They're just difficult sometimes. The difficult things aren't necessarily bad. Sometimes they're just difficult. She describes shame this way, that shame is the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing we are flawed and therefore unworthy of acceptance and belonging, that shame creates feelings of fear, blame, and disconnection. All right, so just to pause for a quick second, I was literally just about to upload this episode, and I was waiting for the clips, because I have to speak every five minutes, according to my, my browser. And I was waiting for my clips to upload and they didn't upload. And now I have to restart back here. So even in the midst of experiencing, and well, even in the midst of talking about shame and guilt and the experience as if something bad just happened and losing the completion of a work that I just did, I literally now have to respond by trying again. I don't even remember what I talked about fully in the last clips that I recorded. But I have to create a new. And whether they're better or worse, I don't know, but I have to create a new. So I just wanted to share that with you just now. Moving on to the second book, talking about healing the shame that binds you by John Bradshaw. He's a, a Christian and he follows the same line of thought as Gershwin Kaufman, who writes the book on shame called uh, Shame, The Power of Caring, and breaks down some of these complex topics into some more readable content. 
And he brings the conversation of shame, not just as something that is fueled by fear and, and leads us to from, from disconnection to isolation, uh, but leads it into more of the relationship side of things and self-worth. He, he says that our psychosocial development is established alongside caretakers of trust and predictability, right? It makes sense that when a kid grows up that he, he develops this network of relationships and these these dependencies on people that are above and more mature than them, that they can survive and live and, and be known and have their being protected. And they lead in, he, he, John leads into this really cool thought that I think that we might miss. And I want us to dial in for a second on this idea. He, he says that the building of this interpersonal bridge, that our relational bridge is being built with one another, with one another, that when we build trust and security, it is crucial for the development of self-worth. See, trust and security builds a mutuality of self-worth. Sometimes when we say that we have low self-esteem, we often talk about how we view ourselves negatively. But we may not actually go beyond that conversation to refer to to our relationships. And it, like, like if you imagine your friend saying, hey, like I really don't like myself very much. And you said, oh, why? And then they responded, well, I just have really non-trustworthy and ins insecure and unpredictable friendships from the most significant people in my life. Like people don't often say that. And, and yet we see this pattern and this clue to help inform us that if, if you're struggling with self-worth and self-confidence and, and there's pieces that get built up over time and there's layers to that process. But if you struggle with self-worth, like check the security of your most significant relationships. If people break into a secure safe in your home or, or something that is significant or of value to you, you got to check the security cameras. You got to check what's breaking in. You got to check what it is that is not secure about what is protecting what is worthwhile to you, something that is of value to you. And so if you're a safe and there seems to be a broken security, I would check your relationships. Check the people you trust. Check the people you care about. In one of the previous podcasts, I talk about who, who keeps you alive, who brings you life, who fills you, who reminds you of what it means to really live. And so instead of just grieving moments Instead of learning how to become resilient and equipped to deal with moments, to let go of losses, to let go of things that are patterns that we think that we are predictable, uh, we end up accumulating memories that shame speaks of and uses and references so convincingly to hold us back in our disappointments. And when we don't learn how to experience shame properly or we don't learn how to grieve well, like like some of these things we can actually be equipped to do. Like we don't have to be reactionary. We don't have to just experience pieces of life that are unfamiliar. We can actually be prepared for it. Maybe let some of, you know, maybe, maybe let that sink in for a little bit. 
And so, yeah, it's no wonder that shame seems so convincing when we don't know what we're doing. And so we accumulate memories of all the times that we became disappointed, unable, and maybe unworthy to move forward. And in the third resource uh, that I wanted to share was uh, by John James and Russell Friedman called uh, the book called The Grief Recovery Handbook. They speak into the aspect of grief and what does it look like to acknowledge and accept and process the losses and changes that we've experienced in life no matter how big or how small, in, in the conversations about trauma often, um, we can think that it's about the event itself, but it's actually more about the way that we interpret and, and have processed and experienced the event. And, and so that's why every moment and every experience and every relationship can be so different. And so uh, John and Russell go into talking about how when we experience shame or we experience this intensity, we, we, we often will try to bury and abandon the evidence of it in both our body and our emotional experiences. It's almost like if you had a friend that you don't really like being around, but you're just often let them hang out and you almost disown them by placing them off to the side and almost abandoning them as if they never really existed. We try to abandon and bury the evidence of our intense and bodily and emotional experiences of shame. Pretending like it never even existed. We don't have to be reactionary. We can learn to actually accept and acknowledge and process and uh, communicate our experiences. They, they talk about how grief is always about undelivered emotional communications that accrue within a relationship over the course of time. The grieving partly is about these undelivered communications that uh, are, are brought on by our emotions and they build up and accrue within a relationship and all relationships are unique and it happens over a course of time. There's things that we care about that we never get to say, we never got to do, we never got to hear, we never got to be a part of a conversation that mattered to us. And we grieve that. And that's part of something we need to recognize when it comes up and not bury it, not abandon it, not abandon it, not be afraid of it. Grief recovery, it's about discovering and completing. There's there's some unfinished works in us that sometimes we got to go back and rediscover what moments looked like. It's about discovering and completing what was unfinished for you in your unique relationship or relationships with those figures most desirably significant to you, whoever it is that that is significant to you. If there's something undelivered, incomplete, and unfinished, there's something potentially that might be significant to you to grieve, to let go of, to recognize the voice of shame when it speaks. And so when you sense shame speaking, 
Here's the challenge. Help guide it to understand and complete the rest of the story. Shame speaks with a lack of knowledge about what is true sometimes. And so we get to have the opportunity to guide shame like as if shame was, like I said at the beginning, was a roommate. Tell it a true story. Tell it the full story. Tell a story that's worthwhile. But don't shut it down. Don't try to abandon it. Speak back. Shame often speaks. And will we be listening? Will will we be willing to listen? Brene Brown talked about how shame leads to this powerlessness. Bringing us into disconnection and then into isolation. John Bradshaw talks about how it builds into us a self-worth when we can grow a interpersonal bridge of trust and security in our relationships and shame can conflict with that process. And John and Russell in the Grief Recovery Handbook talk about grief and how grief is one sign of aspects of shame that can grow intensely within us. And so when you hear shame speak, speak back. Lovingly guide it towards truth. It's like playing Scrabble. Sometimes it just doesn't know what words to find itself playing. It doesn't always know what words to play. It doesn't always know how to phrase it the way that you would truthfully want to say it. When, when you let shame complete its sentence, you can actually better understand what speaks to you. Sometimes we don't understand people unless we actually get curious and ask them questions about who they are, or else we're just making inferences and, and conclusions that aren't true. And I wonder what would happen if you let shame speak as if shame is your roommate and you're, te- your roommate and you're telling it a true story. You, you let shame speak back. You let your body speak back. You let your mind you speak back. Your emotions speak back. You give it acceptance and a place in your life to holistically be accepted by you to get to know yourself in those ways in a new way. And I wonder what will speak back. I, I wonder if there's incompletion to the story that it will tell you. Because if we just cut each other off, if you cut off shame, you've cut off what comes up and it doesn't come out, we end up missing out on a story that's most important to us. And we end up missing out on putting a punctuation and a period at the end of that story letting it be complete because when we complete this process when when we walk intentionality and vulnerability and and lean into uh, the being aware of shame in our life and how we need to respond and grow in those ways and in those areas of our life however they show up completing the process is validation to our existence 
responding helps us to actually affirm the steps that we take and the process that we're in and the reality that we have. And it places a stamp on our existence. When you respond, you're affirming that you are here and you're still here, which means you can keep being here. You can keep going. And so the story of shame is usually incomplete without the input of love and truth. So as I said at the beginning, if shame was your roommate, tell it a true story. Tell it a truer story. When people don't get you, tell a true story. But when people experience the worst of you, tell yourself a true story. Don't run. Don't abandon it. Schedule a meeting with yourself and then finish the story that shame starts. This is episode eight of Lead Bite. Enjoy. Thank you for listening and keep pursuing.